When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, we're live on a Tuesday night, the Texas football on Texas football live stream on this fat Tuesday. Welcome in uh, Rod Babers, TJ Vogel, both back from Vegas uh, after quick trips over the weekend for uh, fun and the Super Bowl and all the conversation. It is a Tuesday night. And as we speak right now, uh, it's Chris Del Conte, the Longhorn director of athletics, is having a state of the program and state of the athletic department town hall, which uh, CJ is monitoring closely. So we'll talk about uh, the breaking news that maybe comes from that. Saw a tweet about a new practice facility and some other conversations coming in. So we'll certainly dive into that on this Tuesday night. Brought to you by the Texas Electricity Ratings. Uh, great people there. We appreciate them. We'll also get into uh, you know, some Texas football talk. The combine invites are out. 11 for the Texas Longhorns. 11 Longhorns headed to Indianapolis at the end of the month into early March. The most uh, Longhorns going and invited of the 321 prospects since, uh, gosh, 15 years ago. Uh, so Longhorns and Burn Orange be well represented in the combine. We'll have some draft chatter as we move forward. Also uh, talk some off-season college football, which, guys, really does feel more and more. I know we talk about the parallels between college football and the NFL, but, you know, at the end of the NFL draft and, you know, the pre-agency period, we kind of grade who had the best off-season. Uh, same thing now in college football, who has had the best acquisition season from uh, December through now as far as coaching changes, coaching acquisitions, players, portal, recruiting classes, and it kind of sets you up for what's coming, uh, who are going to be the top four or five teams in the country into 2024. So we'll talk about uh, in y'all's thoughts who have had the best off seasons, includes the Longhorns for sure for a lot of people, but we'll dive into some of the, uh, the conversations there. But guys, how are we? Ready to roll? Ready to roll. Let's do the damn yeah, thing. Locked and loaded. Locked and loaded. Uh, CJ, let's start with what, what CDC is doing right now. He's having his annual, you know, state of the state, and he answers questions, town hall kind of thing. Anything breaking so far that you've seen that's of interest to to our on Texas football audience? It's not there. Yeah, no. There's a a couple of interesting tidbits that he's uh, you know releasing to the Texas public right now. Uh, the first is there's going to be a little bit of a remodeling happening to the uh, to Dish Falk Field. Uh, for the baseball thing uh, side of things, uh, a new left field wall where fans will be able to sit, uh, buy tickets, kind of enjoy kind of a, a little, you know, uh, left field club, if you will. It's going to be called the Yeti Yard. Lots of tables, lots of opportunities for fans to sit out in left field. Uh, new um, venture for the Texas baseball program who, you know, is kind of landlocked, if you will, by the streets out in left field and right field. You can't necessarily – uh, build a whole lot back there, but there will be um, some some new ideas going out into left field. And so I'm excited for that. And then on the football side of things, uh, the South End Zone will be getting a new video board as well. Uh, they'll be breaking uh, ground for the new practice facilities uh, right across the street from the Moncrief facility in June. So a lot going on right now. It is the School of Social Work, uh, Social Service maybe is what it is. Right now, that's where that that uh, the the training facility is set to locate uh, a lot of excitement with that because obviously the bubble is a bit outdated as we know 
And obviously it certainly helps having the players just walk across the street rather than load up buses and head on over to uh, the Denny's fields over there. So that's exciting as well. Uh, Texas will also be adding grabbing uh, goes uh, vending options for concession stands on all, all uh, uh, parts of the stadium. That was specifically only on the West side of the stadium in 2023. So a lot of excitement, a lot of renovations. And uh, uh, it also sounds like tickets are going to be a little bit cheaper uh, for the 2024 season rather than what it was for 2023, which is a bit surprising now entering the SEC. Uh, but Sar- uh, Del Conte and his crew actually found 4,000 ticket vendors that were uh, going straight to resale rather than going to fans. So they recoup that 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 number of tickets and are going straight back to Longhorn Faithful. So a lot of excitement, a lot of updates right now from Del Conte at the town hall. Uh, and it sounds like Texas athletics, again, moving in the right direction, moving forward. Nice. Yeah, I think you're muted. You're on mute. I think you're muted. Always talking about the uh, Rod, you're a lifetime Longhorn, right? And to watch Chris Del Conte work. I mean, we know the coaches on the on the on the uh, the forty acres are doing a great job. Steve Sarkeesian included. Uh, but Sark, uh, but uh, CDC talks about the infrastructure, right? He's always looking to raise money to build and move forward. And um, you know, it's impressive what they've done and what they continue to do. The Moody Center has come online and is, is as beautiful as any arena in the country. Uh, practice new, new swim center is coming everything cj just talked about it's kind of a never-ending process uh, as cdc does his job to, to put the, and give the coaches uh and the 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 people in charge of these programs everything they need to be successful yeah texas is going to be the it university right you got to make sure uh that when people come to experience the the brand that they they have a good time but also that it's something that more and more people have access to as you know, we assume Texas football and all these sports are going to continue to win. Uh, that means it's going to be tougher and tougher for some fans to get tickets. So I'm, I like what you know CDC has done overall uh, with the brand and the really the fan experience has t- gone to another level now with CDC, and that's important to him. He talks about that all the time, the fan experience. So uh, my favorite part of what CDC does, you know, to improve the overall product is he talks about the R and D. Right, I rip off and duplicate, study great you know, traditions and uh, great experiences from around the country. He's got all his little kind of uh, infiltrators studying different uh, groups and programs around the country and how they do things that they do it better. Use it. Yeah, it's hundred percent right. And it just, uh, it's a never ending process for him. And then it's about raising the funds and making it happen. Uh, but it sounds like CJ, you're talking about with baseball, which starts this weekend, by the way, with the home series with San Diego, uh, you know, giving fans who aren't even maybe going to the game an opportunity to be a part of it, right? That game day atmosphere we see all the time, obviously, Bebo Boulevard for football games, but um, basketball, they've got concerts and things happening outside ahead of the game. And, you know, so even if you're not even going to attend the game, you can be a part of Longhorn Athletics, feel like you're you're, tan- you're, you're tangibly a part of it. Yeah, definitely. And, and for baseball, again, it's been kind of difficult, obviously, with how constricted it is to move out towards uh, – know kind of those fun tailgate atmospheres as you will see for Bevo Boulevard or or the Austin city limits that they have right outside of DKR not a lot of area and space you know Occupy left field has done a tremendous job of creating a fun baseball environment there Uh, but right now that Yeti yard is looking like another opportunity for Texas to really kind of capitalize on a you know the full SEC baseball atmosphere that makes that conference so special and so unique so I'm excited to see it I'm excited to see it get uh, into action Texas obviously has done a tremendous job revamping the the, the scoreboards, uh, the facilities, uh, 
the the indoor batting cages down the right field line, all these new additions that have happened under Chris Del Conte certainly have helped the baseball program kind of look the part. And now they're going to be experiencing, you know, a little bit more fun and fandom uh, for the fans. And I think that's exciting moving into the SEC where, uh, you know, some of these baseball atmospheres that you'll walk into are, are second to none across the entire country. As we follow this uh, conversation, because it's actually ongoing right now, the town hall, I yep. just saw a tweet that said Chris Del Conte says uh, Texas will play Texas A&M annually in football, and his hope is to move it back to Thursday of Thanksgiving week. Is that good with you guys? Uh, yeah, I like that idea. I mean, I, I think he's uh, trying to embrace the old, as many of the old traditions uh, as he can. And, I mean, that was that was part of when I played. I mean, that was part of the tradition. Um, so I, I think he's trying to get back to it. I I think the uh, kind of the older generation appreciates a little bit too. And yeah, he's embracing the Texas Texas and M rivalry. Um, and I said CDC has never been one to back down from it. So I, I like that he's still trying to get it on Thanksgiving Day too, make it a marquee game. Yeah. Uh, one other note, CDC. Go ahead, CJ. Your thoughts on the uh, the Longhorns and Aggies on Thanksgiving instead of a Friday or a Saturday? Uh, I might be in the minority here, but I I don't know. It makes a little to no difference to me, I guess. I guess not having experienced it all that much on Thanksgiving growing up. You know, I was only 13 when the series went away. So uh, I, I don't know. I You know, Thanksgiving to me has always been Cowboys and NFL. I'm hoping that they'll be able to carve out time to make it a marquee game. But, you know, you've talked about the NFL and Thanksgiving. It's almost synonymous at this point. So uh, hopefully, you know, that and the Egg Bowl will be the two marquee games, you know, moving forward. Yeah. And you and I, Rod, have talked about, uh, and CJ, you probably haven't heard this, but we, uh, I've been pushing for, because the Cowboys host the Texans this year. Uh, oh, it's yeah. every, every four-year cycle. And I'm pushing for uh, the Texans and Cowboys to be on Thursday of Thanksgiving, middle of the afternoon, and then the Longhorns and Aggies the next day. So we get the total Texas NFL football <laughs> rivalry like back. That. That'd be nice. fun, man. That would that be would fun. Be yeah, because, I mean, like you, that. that's gonna, that game's going to happen, I'm sure, with the Texans' success and the Cowboys both won their divisions last year, there'll be a push to put that in prime time. I just think that's a, a great Lone Star State feature to uh, to put that game Thursday. Go ahead and play the Longhorns and Aggies Friday. Because I agree with you a little bit, uh, CJ, that, you know, the NFL is so dominant, Rod, that, I mean, it's – we just saw the TV ratings for the Super Bowl and the championship and the playoff games. It's crazy. You almost can get drowned out by those NFL games because you know the NFL is going to yeah. put featured games at – at noon, at three, and at seven at night, and um, you know you don't you would like to rather be I think Friday as the center of attention on on Black Friday. Uh, yeah, as I said, I it I have no problem with it because I grew up with it. So I, yes. I played on Thanksgiving. So it's, yes, you did. <laughs> I play I played in the NFL on Thanksgiving for the Detroit Lions. So it just means football to me. Like I, some people are NFL people in college football. I'm both. I actually want to rabbit. Like I I love both of them. So it's to me it's. Not a big deal. I mean, it's it's just football. Football on Thanksgiving is what yeah. I know. Well, let's put it out there to the uh, to the audience here viewing tonight on this uh, Fat Tuesday. Uh, your thoughts, and Matt will fire them up there, just uh, general comments. When you want that game, which is returning, obviously, it is an annual game starting in, in this November in College Station. Uh, go ahead and, you know, do you want Thursday, do you want Friday, or is Saturday even fine? Uh, James Lee says, I'm with EH on the game time. Uh, which is pretty good. And uh, yeah, this one says, as a kid at the 60s, 70s, Thanksgiving dinner was a tailgate in the back parking lot of College Station. 
in or in heaven, bring Thanksgiving back. I like it. Uh, the, I, I, as you said, CJ, you're accurate that you're only you were a kid when this went away, but um, the the passions will be probably generational. Like uh, and as Rod said, Rod lived it as a as a player and, and, and both in the college and the pro ranks. Uh, so uh, Coachy says Friday. So we appreciate those. One other note from uh, CDC that I did see come out that the the new practice facility for football will include a new full-length indoor practice field. We'll start construction in June. Uh, DKR will have a new scoreboard, as you mentioned. So that's coming. Uh, the ever-expanding – they've only got 40 acres. <laughs> they continue to kind of use every little postage stamp to make sure they can, you know, put in what they need to put in. DKR uh, – CDC also mentions he wants to get grass in DKR by 2026. Oh, wow. That would be I like good. That. Yeah, you're, you, that you're the player, good. Rod. You like that, grass over turf? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I don't I don't really know a player that preferred turf over grass. I, I, I'm sure with some of the new newly designed stuff, they sure that the technology is amazing. But man, if you can play on great grass. You want grass. It's, every player I know wants to play on grass uh, just because of the injury concerns. Um, if you grow up, you know, kind of working out on grass and I, 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 most players do. I think that's what you prefer. A yeah. faster. Yeah. Hey, before we switch gears to some NFL Combine talk here on this Tuesday live stream, uh, brought to you by the Texas Electricity Rating. CJ, you were a ball, baseball player yourself growing up. And uh, what do you, as we talk about baseball and the new Yeti yard that they're coming out with, uh, we'll talk more about it as we move forward. But but I think this has a chance to be a really good baseball team. I did watch your interview this weekend with Drew Bishop and uh, deep dive into the uh, Texas baseball team. Has a chance with a good mix of, of veterans like Porter Brown and LeBaron Johnson Jr. and Charlie Hurley. Um, you know, and then, then, then some young guys that are rolling through here, uh, this has a chance to be a, a pretty, pretty talented baseball team as they play their last year in the big 12. Yeah, it certainly does. And, you know, we talked about the, the sec having a lot of, you know, talented, uh, baseball programs right now, the big 12 is no slouch either. So it's going to be a fun season to wrap things up in the conference. Obviously you mentioned Porter Brown, uh, kind of returning, kind of leading the charge there for the Longhorns. He's a big name to watch out for. I'm really looking forward to seeing how right fielder freshman Will Gasparino fits into the mold. Uh, he's one of the highest rated recruits out of uh, high school this past year. Right now, it sounds like Texas is really excited to see him in right field to begin the season. Uh, the, the bats are going to be the strength of this team early on in my eyes. I think you're looking at 10 or 11 guys that you can feel pretty confident throwing out uh, in any given situation to, to, to really lead the way, and that is without uh, Luke Storm, the, the Duke transfer who was penciled in for first base, who departed from the team just over uh, a week or two ago. So a lot of excitement right now. I'm going to be eager to see how Tanner Witt, the former uh, Mr. Baseball of, of the Year candidate, was able to uh, kind of fit into this rotation if he's used out of the bullpen to begin the year. I think that's kind of a question mark at the moment. Uh, but he's a guy who has just about as much upside as anybody on the roster when he is fully healthy. The question is, is he fully healthy? And we saw uh, his return last year kind of leave some some room to be desired as a result of a you know a, a pretty tough Tommy John uh, recovery from 2022. So if he can come back and find form, that Texas bullpen and uh, rotation is looking much better than what it was without him, obviously. Uh, but right now, I have to be very excited about the bats and Texas will get tested early on in this season. It's going to be a, a lot of fun baseball early, and then hopefully the dish will get rocking whenever they return home to Austin. Yeah, I really like the mix and Rod. I, know, I mean the uh... It kind of feels like the football team a little bit this year where you, you know, the return of Porter Brown, which wasn't really anticipated when the offseason began, the return of Peyton Powell playing third base. So you got a couple of fifth year, sixth year guys. 
Um, you know, CJ mentioned LBJ on the mound, who has a chance to be one of the dominant pitchers in college baseball. Tanner Witt, Charlie Hurley. So you got this core group of veterans, plus the return of Troy Tulowitzki uh, to the program to bring some leadership and that offense, that defense, and and really just the, uh, the the positive presence he provides. David Pierce leading the uh, the pitching staff now, and then a cool mix of some of these young guys we saw really come on last year. Um, you know, the, the Jalen Flores is and the Jared Thomases who really by were playing their best baseball at the end of last season. We all remember the season ended with that heartbreaking loss at Stanford when the ball got lost in the lights. It was, yeah, I mean, yeah. the, the, the players have talked about how, you know, they just had to stew on that for the whole offseason. But it feels like a good mix of, of older veteran players in good spots and then some young guys that should be coming into their own. And even a, as uh, CJ mentioned, Will Gasparino, a freshman and a really talented freshman class. So this could be a three-tier talented group like we saw with Longhorn football team this year with with a, the same kind of mix. Yeah, uh, and obviously when it, leadership will be a big issue, right? Uh, who's going to step up to be kind of the leaders of this new group? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I I, I want to see how the uh, the pitching – Coach Pierce and his um, – I mean, he's a pitching coach, I guess, but very interesting that he decided uh, kind of do, like uh, Dwight Schrute and trying to hire an assistant manager. He's like, you know what? My best assistant is me. So I'm just going to be the pitching coach. Uh, I love that. You know, Sark, Sark's, Sark's a play calling head coach. I mean, he's, if people have wanted Sark to call to hire a, an offensive coordinator and Sark's like, no, man, that's my forte. Hopefully for coach Pierce, he works out the same way uh, that he, you know, he basically proves to be his own best pitching coach. Yeah. I think his uh, previous couple pitching coaches felt like David was meddling a little bit and trying to, you know, as, as uh, Gerard said, uh, you know, getting in the, but, but David Pierce, that's what he did at Rice when they were so great. Uh, back winning college World Series, he's been a part of it and he's passionate about it. And to get Tulowitzki back is big. And uh, man, really appreciated that interview you guys had with Drew Bishop, uh, CJ, because he talked about these young arms that are coming in and how, how you got to learn to pitch in a bullpen. I mean, it's, it's a whole new, you know, Rob, they've always been the dominant starter on their high school team or where they were. And, you know, you got to learn how to get warmed up right. You got to learn how to get in the bullpen and, you know, find your stuff pretty quickly. And then, you know, you show up out of the bullpen. Typically, when you're used to being a starter, CJ, you're you, know, you get your warm ups. Crowd's kind of half there. Everybody's kind of funneling in. You get your your routine bullpen. You got about ten minutes to get ready, and then you're on the field. And typically, you know, there are two or three guys on base, and you got to put out a fire. Yeah, that was that was a really interesting point that Drew uh, had in our conversation. Is you know, essentially, these kids that are pitchers throughout their their high school careers, you know, they're they're the best arm that they have at their high school, right? So they're asked to go seven or eight innings, you know, six, seven, eight innings, whatever it might be. And you get into that routine of what it takes to be starting pitcher. The next level, if you're asked to come out of the bullpen, you're not going to have all that time to go through your routine, whether it be the, the bands, the long toss, the pregame snacks, whatever it is. You're going to be sitting in that bullpen for about five or six innings and your name's going to be called and you're going to be expected to go into a game in about five or five or seven minutes. So uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of an adjustment. And like you said, I think it's an interesting point in conversation you know, at the beginning beginning of games, if it's not, you know, a high marquee matchup, fans are still filing into the stadium. The atmosphere isn't necessarily rocking as it would be in the seventh or eighth or ninth inning when you're expected to come in and close the door in a very high, uh, high stressful situation. So uh, I think that's interesting. And it's a, a little bit of a change, as we talked about, for younger pitching prospects to start their career in the bullpen. And so uh, for Texas specifically, if they can have some of those veteran arms who have been through uh, you know, kind of that that challenge and, and, you know, really challenging tasks of coming out of the bullpen, it's only going to help in the long term. So I think those first 
two or three weeks when Texas is playing their, their big-time opponents on the road uh, in tournaments. Getting those arms acclimated to the bullpen is going to be huge. Yeah, San Diego to start the season. Make sure if you're uh, viewing down in the greater Houston area, you get your tickets for that Minute Maid uh, Park College Classic event that's coming up. That's going to be, you know, Texas and Vanderbilt is there. I mean, Texas State is down there as well. That's going to be a lot of fun in a few weeks. So looking forward to the baseball season. All right, guys, the big story broke uh, this morning. Uh, the NFL invited 321 prospects to the Combine. Rod, you were a part of the Combine when you were coming through. Uh, they invite you know, essentially who they want to see. Uh, yep. Who are the guys that we want to talk to, poke and prod and go through medicals? Who do we, who, who, as we build our draft board, who do we, we want to get up close and personal with and see do the Underwear Olympics really becomes the conversation. And um, 11 names, 11 Longhorns invited. Are we kind of not surprising based on the number of Longhorns that were invited to the Senior Bowl that, you know, only two ended up showing up and playing. Uh, but, you know, another three or four were at the East-West Shrine game. Uh, so 11 is the number. It's, it's uh uh, one at, uh, at, you know, two at running back with Jonathan Brooks and Keelan Robinson, three at wide receiver, uh, all three, A.D. Mitchell, X-Man, Jordan Whittington, all going, J.T. Sanders and Christian Jones, offensive line and tight end. And then defensively, both defensive tackles, Sweat and Murphy, linebacker Jalen Ford, and defensive back Ryan Watts making the trip to Indianapolis to get to probably work out as a safety and show his skills. But uh, any surprises, Rod, of guys that got invited that maybe you didn't anticipate would get that call? Uh, I'm a little surprised about Ryan Watts getting the call. I'm glad he got the call. I'm happy for him. A little surprised, but I think you're right. I think the NFL just sees his dimensions, uh, the size combined um, with some, you know, some 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 film that is pretty uh, impressive as well, and thinking that maybe this is a guy that could project to play safety at the next level. And you know, we've talked about that even here at Texas that he could, he's a guy that could project to be a safety. I remember Michael Griffin talking about it years ago, saying he's going to be a safety when he gets to the NFL. Period. They just move him to safety now, but he's going to be a safety when he gets to the NFL. And there's no doubt that's where I think most of his upside is going to be in the league. If he's got any decent forty at all, and he can, and I know he can move well enough to be a safety. Uh, but if he proves to be a guy that's had fluid hips in some of those drills. Yeah, man, I, I I know there are a few teams who love the uh, kind of the range and just you know the wingspan because he's a really impressive athlete. So that that was a little surprising, um, but I'm happy for him. I think also another guy, Keelan Robinson. You know, he, at Texas, ended up being more of a guy that you know for for Sark was a a boutique player at times. Uh, so not a guy that's got a ton of film out there. Uh, but the NFL is. Thinking about it, we'll talk. We'll see if they actually do something about the rules committee. They think about changing potentially the kickoff. The kickoff is a wasted play. A guy like Keelan Robinson, when I played, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I mean, that's a guy that really would have, you know, been, uh, I think, highly coveted as a return guy. Uh, the problem is now the kicking game has been so de-emphasized at the NFL level. Um, some teams don't covet a player who has a skill set like Keelan Robinson as mostly a returner, but as a kind of unique boutique player that you can use offensively. So I, I knew there are, there are a lot of teams that still emphasize the return game and they're big about it. Uh, so at least a third of the teams in the NFL will be looking at a guy who has elite return ability, uh, but it's something, unfortunately, that it, it doesn't give you as many chances to make a, make a roster as it used to. Yeah, you only got 40, uh, 30, 53 guys on a roster. You only put, what, 45 on game day. 
Uh, you got to be able to do multiple things, especially if yeah. you're a special teamer. Uh, so that, that's got to earn your spot. Any surprises for you, CJ? Or did you think this would be the 11? And uh, any other overall thoughts on, on the 11 Longhorns being invited? Yeah, it's not often you see punters and kickers get invited to the to the combine. Obviously, you don't see them drafted all too often. Uh, Ryan Sanborn obviously had a tremendous year for the Longhorns when it come, came to the punting game. Uh, so I guess if there was a surprise to me, it would have been him. Uh, I was very happy to see Keelan Robinson get an invite. Because like you said, I mean, 350 guys get invited. Uh, what is it, about 260, 270 get drafted every year. Right now, I'm not expecting to hear Keelan Robinson's name called during the draft, but as a result of NIL kind of taking over those rounds of six, seven, and undrafted right now that really kind of uh, you know lighten the load of prospects for these NFL teams to take a, a chance mm -hmm. on late in drafts, you're going to see guys like Keelan who are kind of on that fringe uh, uh, area of being drafted or not at the end of their playing day, get invites to the combine to see just what they're able to do. And if he tests well, I'm all for it. I, I really hope that he does get drafted. It only is going to help Texas in the long run. And it's only going to, you know, be a, a better story for Keelan Robinson in his NFL playing career. So I'm excited for it. I think it's the best of all worlds there for Texas uh, when it comes to more invites, more draft opportunities. Uh, but he was probably the one surprise for me. Um, but like like uh, Ryan Watts and like Jordan Winnington, they the pro day and the combine just have to be tremendous showings for them uh, because they were not participants in uh, senior bowls. At least you know Watts or Watts was he was in the East West Shrine game, but but Robinson and Winnington need this opportunity to showcase what they can do in front of scouts one last time. Well, Rod, remember we have uh, read and, and talked about you know Jim Nagy, the head of the Reese's Senior Bowl, and others talking about how the back end of the draft is going to be diluted this year because of so many, you know, guys who would be fourth, fifth, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks coming back to school uh, that are coming yep. back for NIL opportunities, further development, improved draft stock. We talk about Johnny Barron and Alfred Collins at Texas, uh, two examples. Andrew Makuba, a guy who transferred from Clemson, probably could have been in this draft and. You know, been in that conversation. I mean, so many of those, and that's that's just Texas. I mean, you go across the country. So, you know, maybe a guy like Jordan Whittington, you know, gets snagged in the seventh round because they really like his leadership, his blocking, all the intangibles he brings. Because, you know, Jim Nagy's tweet at one point was, you're going to be seeing guys who would typically be preferred free agents, you know, those those top free agent guys get drafted just because there's the pool is is, is less than it's been before. Uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, that could be reality. It doesn't mean you're gonna make a roster though. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you get drafted. That doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna make a roster. And I think you'll see NFL teams actually start to adjust accordingly too. Right, that that means those late round picks won't mean as much. They won't be as valuable if on their draft board because of the lack of you know, really the shrinking talent pool of prospects coming out because uh, that means the talent, the talent won't be as deep in the draft. So maybe after the, 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 the third round, you see teams start either using those late round picks to trade back up to go get some of those higher end prospects, or you'll see some teams trade out into next year's draft and decide, nah, right, you know what, we need that position, but we'll just trade out. The value is not really there for us. So you'll see teams adjust accordingly. If indeed their evaluations tell them that the talent pool is just not as deep. And we know that because, there are just fewer and fewer juniors and underclassmen that are deciding to declare because they can now in college make money for the name image and likeness. Uh, and I think it's helping college football overall. Um, we, we'll, we've talked about the transfer portal. There's more uh, freedom now in college football, freedom of movement for these players, especially at the quarterback position. Um, you can now really 
overhaul a program in one offseason if you want to. There's no excuse for blue blood programs like Texas uh, to really have inexperienced rosters anymore. I mean, if you have inexperience on your roster, that's your choice as a blue blood college football program now uh, because you can go into the transfer portal immediately and uh, get, you know, guys who have veteran experience at any position. So uh, you see Texas did that, right? And Ohio State did that. And, you know, teams are doing that if they have that luxury. So I think it's better for – actually, it's working out really well for college football. Uh, we'll see if it, it decreases the bus rates. Uh, you know, guys coming out now who are veterans, they're good football players. Maybe they're not high-end prospects to get drafted. doesn't mean you're not going to make uh, potentially an NFL roster. And if these guys prove to be really good football players but not high-end prospects who are getting drafted, uh, it may actually end up, you know, decreasing the bus rate overall of the prospects too because there is better, more thorough evaluations overall because the scouts have more film and sample size to look at players. And if the coaches at the college level are indeed developing the talent, then guys will be more fundamentally sound, technically sound when they get to the NFL level. Uh, and therefore, it'll be tougher to cut these guys. Uh, they have expanded the practice squad. So it could just all work out. I mean, this could just be a perfect kind of symbiotic balance uh, to the talent acquisition cycles in the NFL and now in the, in the college level. Interesting. Yeah. And as you say, teams will be looking to try to trade out of the sixth and seventh round, but you got to have somebody to trade with. If there's not a pool, like who wants those picks? I mean, that that's going to lead to some conversations about trades and, you know, what the value I want next year's picks, not this year's picks, that kind of stuff. Looking forward to it as we get all the way to late April in the draft. But first up, it's a combine Longhorns with 11 players going. Um, we'll talk about the team with the most prospects that are being invited, which impacts the Longhorns in 2024. Uh, but CJ, who is, uh, and Rod, uh, of the 11, is it fair to say Byron Murphy is the safest Longhorn pick and probably going to be the highest pick? I mean, we know what he does. He is a junior who's coming out. He's striking while the iron's hot. I mean, he's a high motor, high leverage. I mean, plays with great leverage. I mean, uh, there's not a lot to like when you turn the tape on about Byron Murphy. at a, at a, a. It's not really considered a premier position. But, boy, they pay him like it's a premier position, and they're important when you're trying to uh, – you know, playing the NFL, Byron Murphy, likely the number one pick that's a, that's a, that's a former Longhorn when we get to uh, the, the, the final Thursday of April. Yeah, I think it's a surefire thing that he's the number one guy taken. Right now, I think you're seeing him sit right in the middle of that first round, bound, round picks, you know, 14 to 20, right in that range. It wouldn't surprise me if he knocks the combine uh, testing numbers completely out of the water and you see him jump into that top 10 conversation. Uh, that's something that I think all Texas fans are aware of is his talent athletically. Uh, obviously, a former middle school running back, he has the ability to move side to side. Uh, and if he's able to p put those pieces together when it comes to the, the L cone, the 10-5-10, and, and obviously the 40 and all that stuff, I mean, it, you're really looking at a guy whose stock could skyrocket once again. Uh, and I, I think he's probably – uh, a tier above where everybody else is considered at the moment when you talk about surefire first round overall pick. Yep. Yeah. Rod, I mean, uh, what did you see on film this year when it was Murphy and Sweat? I mean, when those two guys were on the field together, it was so dominating. We know that. And Tavondre Sweat wins the Outland Trophy and Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. But, you know, how much how much of that was about Byron Murphy that teams were so concerned knowing how good he is and, and how – Tough he is to block. I mean, you can't double team both of them. I mean, that that's led to the Longhorns leading the, the country or one of the top rushing defenses in the country. Because what do you do with those two? That that presented such a problem. And and how do you compare the two, Murphy and Sweat, when they get uh, to the next level? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're in and ideally, I mean, they could be. They're, they're very different types of players uh, in right. terms of projecting into the NFL. 
And if you, the thing that ended up making both of these guys a lot of money is the fact that the NFL, and I, I went and looked it up because I was, I was pretty sure that I was right about it. And turns out it, it was actually even more staggering than I thought. You can look at the top 16 um, highest paid defensive players last season for the NFL uh, based on average annual salary. Eight of them were D tackles, interior D linemen. Um, six of the top 12, if you look at guaranteed money, six of the top 12 highest paid defensive players in guaranteed money were interior defensive linemen. And most people were like, man, that's crazy. It's not considered a premium position. It's not a premium position, but it is at this point in the NFL because of the way that the defenses are now being structured. It is a, a really important, impactful position, especially because teams are starting to play with lighter boxes. That's their their goal is to play with lighter box because they can play with two high safeties. They can defend the pass, all right, and with numbers, and then they can use angles and use personnel to defend the run. And they do this by having a player like a Tavondre Swint or a player like Byron Murphy, who a war daddy, they can either demand the double team consistently. That way you win the numbers advantage, even with a lighter box, because they need two guys to block your one. Um, or a guy like Tavondre Sweat is such a dominant force. All right, he's so huge at the point of attack, playing the nose, that he can hold the point and essentially eat up space and be two, two uh, defenders in one because he can eat up so much space with his sheer size, right? So either way, uh, because of a guy like Byron Murphy, he's not as big as Andre Sweat, but he can be a guy that can demand the double team potentially, but be a forced run defender and a forced multiplier. Those guys are making a lot of money in the NFL. Um, and the added bonus, the only way you get paid them big bucks, is you prove you also can penetrate and create pressure in the passing game. So you'll be a force multiplier in the run game because of your sheer size or how stout you are at the point of attack as a D tackle. And then when we get to uh, passing downs, predictable passing downs, you actually can flip a switch and become a pass rusher, penetrate, and then go apply pressure to the quarterback. All the guys that own that list of D tackles, the Javon Hargraves, your Leonard Williams, your uh, Deron Payne's, your Quinnen Williams, that's what they can do. They can be force uh, multipliers in the run game, and then they can flip around and be a force multiplier uh, as a pressure defender as well. That's the key. And that's what both of those guys have the ability to do. Both of those guys have that kind of upside. So, yes, they can make a whole lot of money. And instead of having to pay those guys a whole lot of money, you know, which once they obviously get to a second contract, you're going to have to do, you can get them for really cheap. And you can get them at a really good discount if you can draft them. Problem is they don't make a lot of them. And Texas had two of them. So that's why those guys are flying up draft boards right now. And I saw Dane Brugler's top 100 uh, big board. He's got Texas uh, Byron Murphy 15th overall. Um, But that's not that's not a mock draft. That's just a big board. He's ranking all the prospects in the draft. So he's got him basically as the 15 most impressive prospect overall in the draft. He's got to Sweat at 33. Uh, to the, yeah, I mean, so 15 to 33, and that's not shabby, obviously, to be the 33rd best player in the draft of your T-Sweat. Uh, but David wants to know, and it's a good question on the Super Chat. Thank you, David. Uh, why does Byron Murphy project higher than Sweat? Seems like the more dominant player was Murphy, uh, excuse me, was Sweat during the season. Uh, you know, I'm just going to assume, Rod, you can pick it up, is, you know, just you're projecting a three-down player, a guy who, as you said, he can stop the run on first and second down, can rush the passer on third down. He never has to leave the field. Uh, whereas Tavondre Sweat might be pigeonholed more as just a 
a first and second down kind of player, maybe even first down. And there's also the question of Tavondre Sweat and the weight, and can he play at that size, and what's his endurance going to be during the course of an NFL football game? Uh, I think you just nailed it, E. That's exactly it. Byron Murphy has proven is right now the film says that he's more likely to be a three-down player for you. And I, I actually do think Devontae Sweat is too. I do. I think he'll prove to be that in the NFL. Um, there are no weight issues with him, but it's, it's the scouting season. And the scouting season is all about uh, projecting essentially the liabilities in someone's skill set. Uh, and that that's that could be a liability in his skill set. So during the scouting season, it'll come out. You know, at Texas, I didn't hear anything about weight issues with Devontae Sweat. He plays really well at that weight. We saw that at the Senior Bowl. <laughs> he plays really good at that weight. I'm sure when he weighs in, he'll weigh under 360, just for the hell of it, so it's on the record officially. Yeah, he I think you'll see him under 360 at the, the, the pro day, too, which will be uh... – was it March 21st or 20th, right mm-hmm. in that range? Uh, again, Tavondre Sweat, the, the question that we talk about with scouting at this part of the stage is, yes, they've seen every bit of film that these guys have to offer. Right now it's all about going through why they shouldn't draft you and, and take a chance on you for their organization. Uh, was there a red flag with Sweat not weighing in at the Senior Bowl? Potentially. And I think that's that might be a reason why you're starting to see some skepticism in the media uh, but we all know how well he can play. You know, he was a, a game changer and at times an ultimate game breaker when it came to his performance on the field in 2023. Uh, but the question there remains, can he remain, I, I guess, fit enough to be on the field for three downs at the NFL level where guys are, you know, no longer going to be looking at you like you are, you know, a guy that they could have no chance blocking. You know, they see these types of bodies in the NFL uh, seemingly every week. And so, uh, the question is, will you be fit enough? Will you have the conditioning to maintain a three three down level of impact across the board for an 18-week season in the NFL? We'll see what those uh, those numbers come in at whenever the pro day arrives next month. Well, and to the point, uh, as I said, it's, you know, if you're the 33rd best player on the draft, that's pretty good. I mean, that's that's kind of nitpicky. And as we've talked about, Rod, I mean, at this point, it's kind of like picking your 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 future bride, right? I mean, if you're to the point of like even considering picking them or getting engaged, you like them a lot. And now you're trying to find the red flags that maybe, all right, what, what is this going to be a big problem? And we, we, you know, what are the real issues that I need to be concerned because I'm I'm locking myself to this person for the next, uh, you know, if you're in the first round for sure, you know, 10, 12 years, hopefully, uh, with a player of that caliber. Uh, I didn't see that super chat, uh, Matt. Can you put it right back up? We'll certainly uh, ask that question, but. Uh, uh, salute family. There you go. Appreciate that. Uh, Rob Dante is a dog. Thoughts? We'll get to that coming up because we're going to talk about the future and the Longhorns moving forward. We're talking about the Longhorns at the Combine right now. Hey, but guys, um, as far as that, so we, we agree Murphy won. Who's next? Is it A.D. Mitchell? I mean, Rod and I, you, you and I had a talk this morning about, you know, because there's there's a very thin tight end class and Brock Bowers is likely to go in the top 10. If you're a team looking to get a tight end, you may have to reach a little bit at the back end of the first round to take a high-rising talent like J.T. Sanders because they're the, the next guy, the third guy at tight end, is not you know probably somebody you want that you want to draft. I mean, uh, but it's likely a receiver. But and I, I wouldn't be shocked to see a, a J.T. Sanders uh, creep into the early second round, maybe top of the first, just based on what this tight end class looks like. Uh, yeah, because I you know the second tight end overall, at least the second highest rated tight end, is definitely going to be J.T. Sanders. Dane Brugler overall has got him as the 50th prospect. He's got Brock Bowers, I think, as 
fifth overall um, in terms of his big board there. So there, I, I, I guess Dane Brooks said there's a big difference between the two. I do think once Brock Bowers is off the board, it'll essentially just kind of reset the tight end board uh, because he's so he's such a general considered a generational talent. Basically, they go, he's going to be taken in the top five. I think it'll reset. So I agree with you. I think if a team really wants a tight end and they're in love with JT Sanders, uh, they may fear that somebody will try to get them early in the second round. Um, that's the only way that you know a team will sneak up late in this in the first round to get them. He's also got a he's got a test freakish. All right, because uh, Brock Bowers already has shown freakish ability. That's what gets you drafted in the first round. JT Sanders has that kind of freakish ability. He's a five-star talent, but he's got to test really well. So his 40 has got to be freakish, uh, his vertical freakish. If he can do some of those things and then basically the profiles start matching up with a guy like Bowers because you're like, man, athletically, there's actually not that much of a difference. Then I can see it all lining up where he could be. But right now, A.D. Mitchell – or, yeah, A.D. Mitchell right now strikes me as all the research that I've seen uh, as the guy who's probably likely to go off the board after Byron Murphy. Just because and, and, and just because of wide receivers, it's going to be a, a run on wide receivers early and often. It's the deepest position in this draft, deepest position in football, in my opinion, has been for years. And there will be three of the guys, three wide receivers taken in the top ten. Then after that, every team that wants high-caliber wide receivers will probably start, you know, drafting them. And I think Kuiper has as many as seven going in the first round. A.D. Mitchell would be in the top seven highest-graded overall wide receiver prospects. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah, and it makes sense because, I mean, CJ, you put two and three and sometimes four wide receivers on the field. I mean, you got, you want multiple weapons in that spot, so it's the catch-22 of, you know, if we want a tight end, do we grab them here or – because we can get a good receiver later, or do we jump at a tight end uh, that, that might be when it's all said and done, when he's 25 years old, JT Sanders might be a really, really special football player because he's just learning to play this position. Right. No, and it, it's a, it's a fun conversation for Texas fans because it's just another opportunity for touchdown players and makers to go enter the NFL and kind of, you know, pr- promote your program on the biggest stage. I'm personally looking at uh, the Bills at 29 and the Chiefs at 32 is a spot where either wide receiver could go. You know, you, you're looking at the Bills, who probably a little disappointing, but it, 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 it's not like Josh Allen's going anywhere. You still have Stephon Diggs. Uh, um, Gabe Davis is gone. They're letting him walk in free agency. There's a void there at wide receiver, too. Do they go out and get a guy that they can potentially use, like an A.D. Mitchell, kind of that bigger body to, to complement what Diggs brings to the table? Or the Chiefs, who just won a Super Bowl, 
without really a number one option at wide receiver. And yes, they've used early draft picks on guys like Sky Moore and Rishi Rice in the past, uh, but that didn't necessarily do a whole lot for them this year. You know, you're still looking at a team that led the league in drops from their wide receiving corps, and obviously a, a team in which uh, will always be in contention with Patrick Mahomes. So to continue the, the revolving door of playmakers coming in for Kansas City, I'm looking at the two uh, of those spots in the late first round as either uh, potential destinations for uh, Xavier Worthy or A.D. Mitchell. And then again, if the Chargers, for whatever reason, do not take uh, Brock Bowers early on at, at, at number five, that's a perfect destination for me in that early second round for Jatavian Sanders. Again, Gerald Everett, Donald Parham, two guys who have been around the block for the Chargers for quite a while. Neither of them moved the needle when it comes to being a threat in the passing game. And, you know, when you talk about what that Chargers team is lacking, first off, it's health. The second thing is consistent playmakers outside of Keenan Allen who uh, can stay on the field. So uh, I think Jatavian Sanders at 35, I believe, is what the Chargers have. Maybe 37 in that second round is a perfect destination if they do not take uh, Brock Bowers in that first round. But I, I think early 40s for all three of them is certainly in the fold. Uh, also, maybe the Bengals for, the, for Jatavian Sanders. I think that's a great fit as well. Yeah, interesting. Uh, with anybody that's got a young quarterback that wants to give weapons to, JT Sanders is going to be an option there at, at back end first, early the second. Te the Texans uh, should think about it. Honestly, the Texans would not be a bad spot to get, to get him a young target to grow up with, like a JT yeah. Sanders. They Dalton yeah, Schultz was awesome for him, and you can get, you can bring Dalton Schultz back and have Dalton Schultz kind of mentor him for a little while. It's not a bad idea. It's not. Yeah, Cowboys have uh, yeah, obviously Jake Ferguson is an emerging star there at their tight end spot. Uh, as far as the Texas teams go. And that's going to be the same thing, Rod. I mean, there, and you know, I've talked about it. There could be you know, maybe one Longhorn going in the first round, maybe one at the back end, so two. But, man, there could be four or five picked in the second round uh, or early third. I mean, that the run on Longhorns is going to be from picks, you know, 30 to 65, I think. Yep, because, uh, I, you know, there's even talk that someone could get excited about Jonathan Brooks. He's the top running back on the board. Now, running back is going to be a position that's devalued overall. We know that. But uh, a team could decide, I mean, he's the best running back on the board if he had been healthy. This is right around the time that we would start thinking about drafting him. I could see a Jonathan Brooks, someone taking a chance on him too and kind of letting him have a redshirt year in the league. Then you got your number yeah. one running back. Um, yeah, so right. and, then, and the thing is, the rest of the running back class isn't great. I mean, last year I felt like – with Bijan at the top of the draft, Jameer Gibbs at the top of the draft, uh, kind of like receiver, there were a lot of good players, and we saw that kind of bear out. This year, I know scouts are not as high on the – at least at this point. Remember, it's February 13th, so that some things can change. Guys can blow up combines and you revisit. But Blake Corum at Michigan and, um, you know, the, the the class of running backs is just not what it was a year ago. So if Jonathan Brooks is your number one back, and you, you mentioned the Cowboys, Rod, and C.J., if the Cowboys, they're going to lose Tony Pollard. I mean, they need a running back. Uh, but, you know, when can you count on Jonathan Brooks? I mean, Jonathan is going to be big on the medicals in Indianapolis, right? Every All 32 yep. teams will put him through his uh, medical paces. And how is that knee, knee recovering? How does it look? Could he be ready by training camp? Because he got injured, obviously, in November uh, in the TCU game. Or is it a start of the season kind of thing? But, you know, if he is your number one running back on your board and you're in the middle to late second round, it becomes a real good value, CJ. Yeah, the Cowboys specifically are a bit interesting to me because you didn't necessarily see what you wanted to see with Tony Pollard this past year when you gave him the franchise tag and expected him to really become that that bell cow running back. You know, it just wasn't, I guess, the production you expected when you allowed Zika Elliott to walk out the door. 
Uh, do you bring him back on a reduced deal? Potentially, but I still think Tony Pollard uh, is going to be looking for you know a, a maximum value at this point in his career. That leads you to the draft. Do you want to go into next season with Rico Dowdle and a potential p- potentially banged up Jonathan Brooks as your running back duo? I don't see it necessarily happening. Do they go out and you know test the tire, kick the tires on a Derrick Henry potentially, and bring in Jonathan Brooks? I think that if you do go the Jonathan Brooks route, you have to go out and add a guy with you know, proven grounds uh, in the NFL right now, an experienced runner. Uh, I'm not sure what they do, but I don't think the Cowboys in this specific situation can take Jonathan Brooks with, you know, obviously the injury history, not having a deep enough running back room to sustain uh, a, a kind of a, a, a blimp in the, re- the the recovery time for him. You know, you have to have him on the field immediately if you're going to take a second round pick on him. And at the third third round I don't think he'll be there for the Cowboys again so I'm kind of expecting the Cowboys to go a different route they do need a running back who will they go with again it's not a great running back class so I I honestly don't know do they take a one-year flyer on a guy who has a ton of experience out of the backfield somewhere else we obviously just saw the Chiefs win a Super Bowl with Isaiah Pacheco for the second straight year so it's not like you need to break the bank as we've learned with Ezekiel Elliott at the running back position you can go out and get you know talented running backs for the cheap uh, without having to use a very high draft pick on a guy that might not have the greatest uh, health qualifications at the moment. So I think the Cowboys go away from Jonathan Brooks if they go with a running back. Uh, but that'll obviously lead to a, a very fun destination wherever Jonathan Brooks ends up uh, elsewhere in the NFL. Right now, I just don't see it being a possible marriage. Yeah. Well, as you said, I mean, obviously March, mid-March, the league year will open. And if they did were to add a Derrick Henry or go get a, a veteran proven running back to go with Rico Dowdle, then – because, again, they didn't really address running back to me last year, not to make this a on-Cowboys football podcast or, or a live stream, but uh, they, you know, Deuce Vaughn's a nice player, but as you call him, right, a boutique kind of player, you know, mm-hmm. you didn't address it last year in a deep running back class, even though Zeke Elliott was moving on, and now you know Tony Pollard's not the guy, so you almost may have to take a premium pick to fill that position if you want to get back to running the ball. But as CJ said, right, it'll be based on what they do in the free agency side of things or in the acquisition side before the draft in late April. Yeah, um, I think, you know, hell, I think last year actually was the, the time the Cowboys should have drafted a running back. It was perfect. Uh, and, you know, Rojo was actually one of the running backs they really liked uh, last season. That was actually in one of the pre-draft. Uh, I mean, one of the, the pre-draft reports had them loving Rojo. Uh, but Rojo's a guy we knew that was going to be off the board pretty quickly at, at the running back position. And I think Jay Brooks, I believe Dean, Dane uh, Brugler has him as the 70th overall prospect. Um, there's going to be a team in a position where they can take a flyer on Jonathan Brooks. He is a, he's going to be, no matter what, he's going to be a team. He's going to be a project for a team. They're going to put him to the side and give him a redshirt year. You don't want to rush something like that back. If you're going to take the chance on drafting him that high, even after the injury, you want to make sure you give him as much time as possible to get it completely healthy. So it'll be a team and CJ's right. That has the luxury of doing that. Cowboys do not have that luxury right now. Um, yeah, Cowboys right. have, they, yeah, they, they, they need every possible spot in that roster. This is not a team that I think, uh, has that kind of roster luxury. Yeah. That's a fair like, point. I like right? what, uh, Jason Wason actually just posted in the comments, uh, Jay Brooks, to Kansas city in the third or fourth rounds. I like that. Pair yeah. him up with Pacheco, maybe, uh, allow him to sit before using him for the next three or four years on that rookie deal. That, I mean, Kansas city doesn't like paying running backs. If you get a good running back like Brooks and that, uh, that offense, I mean, 
that could be a great fit as well. Obviously, I think any any Longhorn drafted by Kansas City gets me excited because of that offense and and what they can do paired up with Patrick Mahomes. But uh, again, I think the biggest question mark with Kansas City is uh, Pacheco out of the backfield. Not the greatest hands. You toss in McKinnon. Rob, we talk about tendencies and being able to uh, give different looks out of similar formations. When they bring in McKinnon on the field, you know he's going to be on the out in the out in the pattern on the passing game. So uh, that that's kind of the biggest thing right now for Kansas City in their running game. Jonathan Brooks could be uh, able to shore up uh, both the running and passing game for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, at the running back position. I would love that pick. Yeah, good stuff right there. Appreciate the comment. And before we switch some gears, and I do want to talk about Jalen Ford a little bit. Let me tell you about uh, Texas Electricity Ratings. And uh, for those of y'all still uh, living right here in Texas. Great state, and uh, the major cities especially with deregulated electricity like Dallas and Houston. You know it if you live there. You understand that the deregulated electricity market can be confusing. Texas Electricity Ratings is shopping a shopping website. lets you compare prices, read customer reviews, find good electricity that fits your needs. It also filters out a lot of the gimmicky plans like uh, for, on websites like Power to Choose that trick customers into expensive bills. So if you're in the market for a new electricity plan, please shop and get, get to know TexasElectricityRatings.com slash OTF, put the OTF at the end on Texas football there. So that's uh, TexasElectricityRatings.com slash OTF for all of your electricity needs and hook them, T-E-R. We appreciate them very much. Guys, last player I want to talk about, then we'll switch some gears from the combine, but Jalen Ford uh, is going, and this is an interesting player. I mean, he had a, a better junior year than a senior year, but man, as we know, Rod, he was, he was not healthy after the Oklahoma game this year. Uh, and there's a great uh, football junkies super chat. Why is Ford's drop, uh, stock drop so much? Lots of boards have him in the sixth, seventh, eighth as a backer. Is speed the issue? What are you seeing, Rob, with Jalen Ford? I mean, the junior film would tell you he's a higher pick than that. But, you know, th- this year he did get taken advantage of a little bit uh, in, against uh, mobile quarterbacks and against those spread offenses. Uh, yeah, I mean, for, number one is not a premium position. Um, didn't say it was not important, but not a premium position. Uh, so that's part of why, you know, that position overall, I think, is devalued. Uh, his yes, film this year just wasn't impressive. His junior year, his film was uh, among the best in the country, uh, just full of splash plays and impact plays this year because of the injury. Uh, the film's not as good. And this is when scouts are diving back into the film. You wish they'd go back and watch more of last year's film and, and you know, obviously look at it. I mean, full kind of body and body of work and sample size. Uh, but, the, you know, you do focus on the most recent film of a player. Um, I don't know. They knew that he was dealing with an injury. So once that comes out, I think uh, there will be a new kind of a context to watching Jalen Ford's film in 2023. Um, also, I mean, he's not expected to test through the, you know, He's not expecting necessarily to, eye, to have any eye-popping testing numbers because he's not a freakish athlete. He's just a, a really cerebral football player overall. Um, he's not a guy that has got freakish uh, athletic skill. Um, he's got uh, freakish processing skill as a linebacker. His football IQ is through the roof, um, and those are not things that get you drafted, right? I mean, they you can play in the NFL. He's going to be a, he's an NFL player. I think he'll end up starting for a team in the NFL. But the draft is all about being a prospect and your, your athleticism overall and your measurables. And I don't think those are necessarily things that are going to uh, impress for Jalen Ford. So that's why he's dropping. But, guys, don't worry. I mean, he's going to make an NFL roster. It just sucks that his draft stock right now is plummeting. It doesn't really seem like there's a good reason for it. 
Yeah. Uh, CJ, your thoughts on uh, to add to whatever Rod just said about Jalen Ford? Yeah, I mean, it, it was going to be tough to repeat what he did in 2023, you know, after obviously the tremendous season he had in 22, simply because turnover luck is a real thing in football. And at times it felt like the ball just found him. You know, he's a tremendous player and great players make great plays. Uh, but when you consider fumble recoveries and, you know, even some of these hits that resulted in late fumbles, uh, you could, you know, hit a guy harder, go for a strip harder, you know, more aggressively. And the ball just doesn't come out to where it might have did a couple times in 2022. So, uh, you know, there were a couple plays, like you mentioned, Rod, where the film might have taken a step back. There was uh, a dropped interception once or twice during the 23 season as well. That would have helped, but that 22 season was really kind of uplifted as a result of having tremendous turnover luck. You know, he was saving games over and over again, being in the right position. And I wouldn't say he was necessarily out of position, but he was schemed against a little bit more in the passing game as a result of that. So not given the opportunities that he was a year ago, uh, it was going to be tough for him to have that similar type of on-field game-changing, you know, kind of perspective there as a result of what he did in 22. And so I think uh, that comeback down to earth obviously was expected. Uh, it just is unfortunate that he's not going to have another year to kind of bounce back, if you will, in terms of NFL stock, but still a tremendous player. In a year like this, a seventh or eighth overall linebacker is still going to go in the, in the late third, early fourth. So I think he'll be just fine wherever he ends up. I agree with that. I mean, DeMarvion Overshone was late third last year. Gosh, we just watched the Super Bowl. Dre, Dre Greenlaw was a fifth-round draft pick of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Fred, Fred Warner was a late third. I mean, yeah, that's kind of where linebackers start to go off the board, especially at a high yeah. level. And they doesn't mean they're not really good players. And I do think Jalen Ford's agent needs to do a good job of, you know, selling the junior year, make sure you go back and watch that junior film. And he's got to check out medically, obviously, when they get to the combine and really show and, and measure and test better than I think maybe – Rod, you just thought maybe he will because he can't. He is just a really instinctual good player. Uh, all right, eleven Longhorns. George has got eleven going as well. But another opponent on the Longhorn schedule next year are the Michigan Wolverines. And before the season, guys, Jim or Jim Harbaugh, the now former Michigan coach, said he he thought they could get twenty players drafted in the NFL. Well, eighteen Wolverines are going to the combine. Eighteen. Wow. That's a record that breaks LSU's team of a couple of years ago of sixteen. That's a new record for the Indianapolis Scouting Combine. Uh, two things. I mean, obviously, they were very talented last year who won the national championship. Jim Harbaugh wasn't very far off. And that's going to be a different team when the Longhorns line up against them September 7th in Ann Arbor because, I mean, those 18 players were all starting players for for Michigan. You know, there's only 22 starters on a football field. 18 are going to the combine. Yeah. No, it's, and that's not the only right turnover. You got new coaches. <laughs> you got new coordinators. Uh, yeah, I mean that's it, Michigan will be as vulnerable as they can as as they possibly can be when Texas plays them. I mean Texas will come in with you know the, the same coordinators, uh, the same you know the same quarterback, a veteran quarterback for their five offensive linemen returning. Um, so even though they're on the road, uh, Texas you know should have a lot of advantages in that matchup. Yeah, I'm right there with you. This is going to be a completely brand new team from what we saw a year ago. Brand new overall program, if you will, when you consider the coaching changes as well. Uh, right now, I don't see a way in which Texas walks into Michigan, uh, into the big house as an underdog. I think it's far and away going to be a Texas 
uh, favored line right now by Vegas if you want to continue the conversation of where we were over the weekend, Rod. But right now with what Texas returns on the offensive line at quarterback and what they added via the uh, the portal at the skill positions, I mean, you look at what they have right now on their roster compared to what Michigan uh, isn't necessarily prepared to replace immediately from a year ago. I think it's going to be interesting. And we still haven't seen any departures of meaning yet since Jim Harbaugh and his defensive staff bolted for the NFL. So, uh, yes, 18 uh, combine invites is a tremendous number. We've still yet to see any true attrition to the portal, which I think is still going to come uh, in April window whenever the portal opens back up. So it's going to be uh, a lot of, I guess, responsibility passed on to a lot of inexperienced guys right now, uh, especially that incoming 2024 uh, uh, kind of, recruiting class at the moment so i'm i'm all for texas being that favorite going into ann arbor yeah and well, much like alabama last year right i mean it was no one wins there typically but still i mean it was a new coordinators on both sides a new quarterback and it was we said over and over again we'd rather play alabama early than late and same thing with michigan probably next year you'd rather get them early even at home because you're you know the continuity on your coaching staff and a quarterback and no line and everything we've talked about they're going to be still trying to figure some things out uh, in September. And then you add Sharon Moore to the mix. That's a brand new head coach that's uh, going to be running his first offseason as, a, as, a, as the head boss and the head, program, head of the program. And uh, to CJ's point, uh, after spring, guys could get in the portal if they wanted to. And, you know, as we're going to talk about coming up, the, the best offseason so far, Michigan wasn't real active in the portal. Like they didn't bring in a lot of guys. So losing like, one of the things about the Longhorns is, yeah, they got 11 guys going to the combine. You can actually say, well, the Longhorns, well, the Longhorns added eight really good players through the portal and another recruiting class. So it almost, I mean, they filled holes where they needed to. I don't know if Michigan did much uh, in the transfer portal because, because I mean, the assumption was coming off the national championship game, Jim Harbaugh was going to go to the NFL. He kind of waited the, the timeout, but they weren't real active in trying to bring in veteran players. So it's going to be a lot of guys who haven't played a lot of football because the guys that are the 18 guys going to the combine, CJ. They were the starters, right? I mean, I know they got depth, but those were the guys playing the majority of the snaps. Yeah, and they still have some good pieces. Obviously, we talked about Mason sure. Graham and Kenneth Grant on the defensive line. Will Johnson might be the best overall cornerback in the entire country, uh, but that doesn't help you when you lose your top six offensive linemen, your starting quarterback, and your first and third uh, wide receivers. You know, that's a lot to replace. And then you go to the defensive side of the ball, you lose two edges and uh, you know, a number of pieces in your secondary. You had a, a great starting safety that's going to be going in the first two or three rounds as well. That's it, it's just a lot. And in one year, that amount of turnover, you're looking at an awfully, uh, you know, tall hill to climb. You know, TCU a year ago, obviously not necessarily that same level of talent, but they had about 11 or 12 guys enter uh, the NFL combine. We saw what that turnover did to them when it came to roster construction and on-field success immediately after a run to the national championship game. I'm not saying Michigan's going to have a similar type of uh, fall-off to what TCU had this year, but I would be very surprised if they're in contention for a, a Big Ten championship game right now before the work that they have done or will do in the spring portal. I just think it's too much uh, for them to get to, to replace and get back onto their roster with no spring football uh, to, to work with, and obviously a new coaching staff. Yeah, and that was a build for Jim Harbaugh, right? There's a reason he's leaving now. I mean, they, they had been in the Final Four each of the last two years. They were kind of knocking on the door, and uh, the old Bum Phillips, they finally kicked the door in, and all these guys are off to the NFL, and uh, Sharon Moore has work to do to start the rebuild, uh, safe to say. What do you think of Wig Martindale, Rod? I mean, that's uh, that's happened since we talked last. 
Michigan has hired the former Baltimore Ravens slash uh, New York Giants Giants, defensive coordinator Wink Martindale Martindale going to the NFL ranks because, of course, Jesse Minter followed Jim Harbaugh along with the defensive line coach to the L.A. Chargers. Uh, But uh, Wink Martindale now coaching the defense. That's who Sark will go match wits with on September the 7th in Ann Arbor. Yeah, um, I mean, Wink Martindale has got a reputation. Uh, Wink Martindale loves to blitz. Uh, <laughs> Wink Martindale will, uh, you know, play a lot of zero, a lot of man coverage. Um, as a matter of fact, we were just we were talking earlier about Steve Spagnola on our on the sh- on the morning show, hook him up with Ian Rod B, and talking about Steve Spagnola and you know one of the, the ways he broke tendency was he played a lot of zero coverage. He played more Z, which is the most dangerous freaking coverage to play. Trust me, guys. I mean, you basically are walking line between disaster and delight constantly. Uh, but he played a lot of zero coverage, and it took away easy completions by Brock Purdy. And they got sticky, icky, icky cornerbacks to be able to do it for Kansas City. Uh, but the second, I believe, the second highest zero coverage rate that the 49ers saw all season long was in week three when they played the Giants. Yeah, they played the Giants and they got it was it was like 18, he was at 18% zero coverage rate. Uh Spags was over a little over 21%. Just to give you a little perspective about Wink Martindale. Uh I mean he's just not afraid to throw uh caution to the wind when it comes to blitzing. So he will blitz. That's a good thing though for uh Sark, I mean, you're going up against a defensive coordinator, at least you know what his tendencies are. They're well known. He doesn't really deviate that often. And he may, you know, at the at, at the college level, maybe he'll deviate a little bit. But uh yeah, I mean, I actually like Wink Wink Martindale as a defensive coordinator. You better have solutions built into your game plan. You better have hot reads. You better have blitz solutions and pressure pressure package options for your QB. Because if not, he will make your quarterback quarterback's life hell. Yep. Period. And, and you know what's nice having uh, on your offensive side of the ball when it comes to a, a defense that likes to bring pressure a lot, an experienced offensive line and wide receivers that can create separation yep. off the ball. Texas yes, has sir. a lot of that right now, and obviously the offensive line is figuring to be a strength of the offense as well. So if there was ever a time to play a de- an aggressive uh, defensive coordinator on the road, it's with a year three quarterback as well. So it, it kind of balances out very well when it comes to Texas and Michigan offensively for the Longhorns uh, right now. Again, I love this matchup on paper. I liked it in the playoff a little bit more as well than what Texas and Washington was. But going to Ann Arbor next year, I really enjoy where Texas sits right now. Again, this is 200 days away from week one. I think 210 away from where uh, we are with Texas and Michigan. But right now I'm getting excited thinking about what Texas and Michigan might turn into be for the Longhorns. All right, uh, we started the show. If you just tuned in to Beyond Texas Football Tuesday live stream, brought to you by Texas Electricity Ratings, Aaron Hogan, CJ Vogel, Rod Babers. Uh, right now, as we speak, uh, or at least probably wrapping up by now, is Crystal Conti is having a town hall, State of the Longhorns Athletic Department. Some new pieces of information have come in. We talked about the new practice facility, uh, new Yeti yard at the Dishfalk Field for baseball, grass at DCAR, hopefully, according to, to uh, CDC by 2026. Also, this is of interest that uh, that CDC said the athletic department is looking into building, possibly building a mini Moody um, of about a 5,000 seat uh, arena for volleyball because athletics does not own and operate Gregory Gym. And there are so many things they could do better in terms of concessions and everything. So, you know, that that's, again, the ever growing Texas athletic budget and department thinking we got the, the premier volleyball program in the country. 
that are playing in this old uh, Gregory gym, which is fun for pickup basketball and it's a cool environment, but for the best team in the country and the best program in the country might need something a little different, a mini Moody. I don't know where that would be put. I don't know where they do it, but it would be kind of cool if they could uh, find a way to pull that off. I've got no clue where they'll put it. <laughs> you know, that's kind of the biggest issue. You know, we, we talked about how long it took to get a practice facility closer to the stadium in the locker room. I mean, there's no free ground right now near campus. And also the other point to this is just how much money does this program have? You know, this athletic department, if you're going to build another arena, <laughs> whew, you know, that's that's incredible. But yeah, where are they going to put it? Beats me. I have no idea. Could they put it where Gregory Gym is currently? I mean, potentially. As they build, I mean, tear down Gregory. I loved it. Well, I know. I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, could they play a season of volleyball in the Moody Center? But well, then you get into the concert bookings and all that stuff. That's probably not going to work. So, yeah, that's a logistical issue. I don't know where they're putting it, but but that that was said tonight. So it doesn't mean it's a promise. Just a thing they're thinking about in the Longhorn Athletic Department. Hey, I got one more question for you guys. We'll wrap this thing up on a Tuesday night. A couple more super chats coming in, and we appreciate those throughout uh, not just this live chat, but the chats all week long. Rod, uh, we have, may have touched on this before, but as the defense change up its style-wise going to the SEC, who's your money on the footways between Jerry and CJ? Oh, CJ was smoke, Jerry. Smoke. <laughs> come on. Yeah, that's uh, – come on, man. Don't but Jerry, weren't you, weren't, you a, weren't you a catcher in high school? Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I didn't run a whole lot, but I'm winning that one. He's going to win now. CJ's got CJ's young, man. CJ went to Vegas, guys, just on a whim, all right? It, no plans, no nothing. Did not even have uh-huh. plans to get a room or a bed. Just went to Vegas and flew back. You got to be young. got young legs to do that, all right? That's money. That's money. That's all right, what, about all right. changing up, what about changing up the defense for the SEC? Is I, I mean, well, we've talked about the evolution of PK's defense kind of in, you know, as they recruit to it and portal. Yeah. He finally feels like he's getting to what he's wanted to be all along. I mean, listen, I've been saying it for forever, right? You can't coach coverage. I do believe they figured out that they got to start recruiting coverage. They got certain things you got to recruit, and they're recruiting coverage now. Uh, Derek Williams stepped in last year as your best coverage guy, basically, in the secondary, and he's a freshman. He's only going to get better. So you got coverage at the safety position now. Malik Muhammad is another guy we expect to take another leap. Uh, so I think they want to play more man coverage. Nah, I don't think they do. They want to play more man coverage. And I I think at this point, it looks like um, I, I, I well, at least I believe that they finally with this defensive back class, they brought in here uh, five, what uh, five recruits. And I think six with the pro- the transfer portal uh, prospect Makuba, they finally addressed the defensive backfield in terms of roster construction. Um, I, I do believe they waited on addressing the defensive backfield. Overall, I think they had fixed, well, fixed. I would just say they had addressed almost every level of the defense. And I think, you know, they they believe that they inherited really good players that they could just coach up at the at every level of the defense. And it wasn't necessarily a priority for them. Um, and they were right, except for the defensive backfield, right? They were right about the D linemen. Look at all the guys they inherited that ended up being great NFL players. They were right about the front seven with the linebackers they inherited. Those guys turned out to be great players. They, you know, the secondary is where they thought, oh, man, we can coach these guys up, too. And I think they figured out quickly, okay, we were wrong about that. And that's okay, because now they're going to put in the type of DBs that they want in that PK system. And that's important. And the the buzzwords are versatility, speed and coverage. 
right? And you heard Sark talk about it when he described all the DBs. They're all versatile. They're position flex, can play multiple positions. That's because ultimately um, it is not that he's going to have everybody playing multiple positions. I, I do believe I'd like that. But go look at the 2005 Texas secondary. That, you know what I mean, that essentially was the, the that, that was the brainchild of Coach Akina looking at the five-tool DB and, and, and trying to at least recruit the skill sets of guys who are versatile enough to play everything. And, and why that, the, the, the reason why that's important, because essentially you have built-in solutions in the secondary everywhere. When teams are trying to manipulate matchups, when they're trying to hunt matchups, when they're trying to find a coverage liability, there are no coverage liabilities. All right. When you're trying to put a, a player in a in a disadvantageous position by moving your guys around the chessboard, uh, which more and more we're gonna see, right? Just saw it in the in the in the uh, Super Bowl, right? With with my man Shano. That's why he's got that monster of multiplicity. You all you'll find is solutions on the other side when the offense is trying to present problems to you. Um, versatility offers you solutions, so they want that built-in versatility. Um, like I said, doesn't mean all the guys are going to be playing every position, but I think they're going to cross train some guys, manufacture some depth. They need speed. They're just too slow. They're slow footed in the secondary. That's just period. Ryan Watts, uh, he represents that too. Uh, you know, that was part of the older guard in the secondary. Now you need guys that can just flat out run. So foot speed, and then you need coverage. All the guys got to be able to cover, not just the corners. All right. Not just the nickel. I need all my safeties to be able to cover too. And I think that's what Texas is prioritizing, those three traits. And they're going to play more man coverage when they figure it out. And Texas has been getting pressure for really well for the last two years, right? They're one of the best uh, pressure defenses in college football at the Power 5 level. The problem is the pressures have not translated into enough splash plays, sacks. We want more tackles for loss, more interceptions, more forced fumbles. Theoretically, pressure should translate to more of those splash plays. It hasn't for Texas. Now, in the NFL, there are two frames of thought. Either coverage will create pressure or pressure creates coverage. Uh, take the 49ers, right? Shano is a guy that believes, hey, man, pressure will create the coverage. I, I, I just got to get pressure on the post quarterback. So he stockpiles pass rushers. That's what the 49ers do. You go look at even what um, you go look at any other team. Belichick, take Belichick famously. He's a coverage guy. He'll pay money for coverage. He pays money for coverage. Doesn't pay money really for pressure because he believes coverage will create the pressure. I think Texas now may be trying to flip the script because they've had pressure, yet the pressure has not been able to improve your coverage. Huh? And it also has not led to a lot of splash plays. So I think now you may get a different mindset overall with the mentality because they were built in the front seven last season uh, to stop the run first. And I think that that was because that's their strength. Their strength won't be that this next season. The strength may be in the back seven. And I think they may go with the old coverage, creating more pressure and more of those splash plays rather than the other way around. The, the great it's a grand debate and there, there is no right or wrong answer this is all about your your theory putting put into practice that was a great breakdown rod yeah, yeah and the chiefs the chiefs you know they, their coverage kind of creates pressure they got chris jones who wrecks yeah. games but the pressure the coverage the chiefs you know yep. they're, they're sticky man to man uh yep. <laughs> your point about the uh you know the ability to uh uh, you know, stick to people and then bring bring blitzes and all those things. Uh, you really like what the Chiefs do. And, you know, Rod, real quick, because I, I mean, you're on the run, the run there, you know, it, it, with PK and his, you know, two, four, five kind of defense that he brought from Washington, mm -hmm. if it's two big guys at the point of attack, right, two tackles, yep. then you kind of have, you, I know you're big on positionless football. 
I mean, those four linebackers, whether they're edge, whether they're linebacker, however you you utilize them with that coverage behind it is kind of what I think where they're headed to with PK and a lot of disguise with the ability to cover and run. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Right. You had those two. Oh, you had those two overhangs, but they're not going to be just traditional edge rushing, uh, you know, edge rushing uh, defensive ends. He's going to those guys to be a little bit of a hybrid so that if he can move those guys around the front, potentially move those guys up to the line. And that's why the Colin Simmons is big. Right. He's going to be a great athlete. You can move around and even having a guy like Anthony Hill. Um, and his ability to be, you know, multiple in ways, it just offers you more solutions, but it's also held on the opposing qu- quarterbacks who are trying to, an opposing offensive lineman who are just trying to identify, hey, where's the mic, right? Where's the, you know, where's, uh, you know, where's the, uh, where's the strength of the front, right? Is it, you know, is it going to be a front that, um, uh, uh, you know, crashes the edges, or are you going to be a front that you know blitzes up the the B the A, a gaps and the B gaps in the interior? I mean, I think he wants to be a, a defense that essentially is malleable and that can be anything depending on the matchup. And I think that's what you're going to get from PK in the future if if they get all the ideal pieces they want. Yeah, uh, and you think of a guy like Ethan Burke and Colton Vosick and, yeah, and, and uh, all these guys. They can exactly. stand up a little bit. They can run. They can get their yeah. hand down. Because, CJ, they're going to play a team like Michigan. You know, they're going to pound the rock and come right at you, Georgia. And then you're going to play some teams that are, you know, going to spread it out and, uh, and and throw it around. So, you know, moving to this schedule, you're going to have to be able to, you know, Colorado State's week one. That's uh, that's kind of an air raid system uh, that they bring in. They're going to throw the ball all over the place. you got to be able to be able to be, as Rod said, malleable to whatever your opponent is week to week. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I, I think right now – there's a big question mark on what that defensive front will bring. You know, we've talked about the edges supposed to have that step forward, kind of that, I wouldn't say the strength of a defense, but it's supposed to be in that conversation now with Trey Moore, uh, returning Baron Sorrell, Mm -hmm. a returning Ethan Burke, the addition of Colin Simmons, and then the youngsters, uh, Colton Vosick, obviously Tassili Akana, if he can give you anything. You know, there's a lot of pieces there that you expect to kind of take that step forward and really be more impactful than what we have seen over the past couple of years. So that versatility should be there. What's going to help that versatility is if that defensive run-stopping front steps up and and really is not that weakness that we are not necessarily expecting but kind of skeptical about right now you know if you can expect Alfred Collins Vernon Broughton uh Savea you know Aaron Bryant some of these guys to really step up and and clog those run holes I mean you're looking at a team right now that that could be again very very solid when it comes to being uh, a scoring defense. And I think when you consider what's on the opposite side of the ball for Texas, all you need is them for, the, for them to be average at best, you know, for this team to be good, anything above that. And we saw it a little bit last year, this defense took that step into the elite conversation around the 25, 20 uh, national rankings. Great things can happen right now. I'm not sure that they're going to be in that conversation, but I don't think it really matters when you consider what's on the other side of the ball uh, in terms of the offensive line, the quarterback, and the pieces around them. It looks like that is going to be far and away the greatest strength of this offense. You just need that defense to be serviceable enough to get you over the hump in the SEC. All right, C.J. Vogel, Rod Babers. Guys, last Super Chat. Do we have one more, Matthew, that uh, we needed to run through? We appreciate everybody that watches and uh, tunes in all day and all evening. Jo- Rod, Jonte's a dog. Thoughts? <laughs> uh, I, I agree. He is a dog. I mean, it'll be interesting this year, this season – 
um, with all the new additions, right? All the proven commodities. And we know Sark, I think he plans on trying to use all of them. Um, I do think you're going to see more, more receivers in rotation than you've seen since he's here been at Texas. That's my belief. Um, but I don't think that's about John Tay at all. I, I think his plan is for John Tay to be featured. Um, yeah, you're bringing in a lot of great transfer portal receivers. You've had success now with A.D. Mitchell, maybe drafting the first round. But he still wants to be able to sell the narrative that if you're my guy at a high school, you're one of my guys, then you still have a track. You still you got a fast track to the NFL and to being a featured wide receiver one. And I can make you look like that. And I think that's that's Jonte Cook in this specific uh, uh, wide receiver room. I know the transfer portal wide receiver is becoming more and more popular. It's the deepest position in football at any level. And you see that reflected in the transfer portal. But Sark, I do believe, still wants those young receivers he's recruiting in high school to see themselves uh, in, a, in, a, in a kind of whatever, to see themselves kind of living through vicariously, if you will, whoever that guy is on the 40 acres. It was X-Men. He's like, hey, man, X-Men came as a freshman, was an All-American all as a freshman, was an all-conference player as a freshman, wide receiver. That's what, you know, that you could be that, all right? You come in and you work hard enough and you're focused enough, you could, you could take that same track. And I think that's important for him to be able to sell. So that's why Jontae Cook is, he's going to get featured. I think he's going to get targets. And yeah, man, he's, I think he is going to be a uh, all-conference caliber receiver one day. Will that be next season? That's going to be the question. Yeah, well said. I mean, I think uh, that is. I mean, you bring in an Isaiah Bond to, to kind of be the, 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 the you know, A.D. Mitchell to the Jonte Cook. I mean, you got your two two key weapons. Ryan Wingo is another guy that eventually you're going to feature and make a guy that ends up, uh, in his mind, a first-round draft pick kind of thing. And as we talked about with the combine, you could have two first-round receivers, certainly two players drafted in the top 50 picks of the NFL draft coming up in April this year. Guys, good stuff. Let me tell you one more time about our friends at Texas Electricity Ratings. Uh, again, if you're shopping for electricity in the deregulated areas of Texas, TexasElectricityRatings.com is the best place to find a great electricity plan for your household. For starters, it filters out the dangerous and gimmicky plans from providers that are uh, all hat and no cattle, as they say, when it comes to your monthly bill. They can also shop by rate, also by an average bill feature that actually takes into account seasonal usage to give you a real number and not some placeholder. You actually are saving yourself money. Uh, so if you're looking for new electricity and a plan, check out texelectricityratings.com slash OTF, the best options available. Hook them uh, from texaselectricityratings.com and thank them very much for the Tuesday night live stream. Guys, uh, CJ, still time to get out and get yourself a hurricane and uh, you know, a little fat Tuesday action, you know what I mean? You got plenty of time. Oh, 8.30, you got good. You got your good to go. Uh, so enjoy no that shot. if you can. Huh? No shot. Not after that. <laughs> I'm still recovering. Back. I need to get my sleep schedule back, you know. So I'm, I'm headed straight to bed after this Baylor and Oklahoma basketball game. But uh, it should be a good one here. All right, buddy. Uh, Rod, you get some yeah. sleep, brother. I'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Yes, sir. You know, uh, Coffee and football will be launching at 8 right here on the On Texas Football Channel. Thank you to Matthew and the crew, everybody that chimed in and played along. Uh, enjoy your Fat Tuesday. Be safe out there. Uh, you know, Lent will begin tomorrow. Valentine's Day tomorrow, gentlemen. Make sure you're taking care of the, uh, the significant other. Don't forget, make the run to the flowers and all the other things you need to do. I uh, hope you enjoyed a little bit of that conversation, talking combine, talking Longhorns, Chris Del Conte in a town hall, little uh, uh, defensive chatter there at the end. Guys, thanks a lot. Welcome. Yeah, thank you all, everybody. Happy Tuesday.